What's going on, everybody? It's Cooper and James, and we are from the back pens. It was an exciting weekend of bull riding. There's a lot of stuff going down. The Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex was the was the place to be if you're a rodeo or bull riding fan. There's a ton of events going on. There's perfs there for most of the week. A really big weekend there. Oh, I loved it. And I also loved it that um Pluto TV and the Cowboy Channel actually worked together and shared it. Yeah, that's something you don't see a whole lot. The American and Global Cups, they did not disappoint. They were very good watching. Some big things happened over the weekend as far as that goes. There was also a couple events on the Velocity Tour, so we got a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. Grab them slides, boys, because we're coming at you from the back bands. <laughs> To kick things off, I think we'll start with the Velocity Tour Minute, and they had two one-day events this weekend. They're on the same day as the American. Eduardo Parasito walks away with the victory in Hampton, Virginia, 175 on two head. Eduardo earned 42.5 world points. And the other event was in Charleston, West Virginia. Joao Lucas walks away the winner there, 176 on two, 38.5 points. Velocity Tour is going to have a busy weekend coming up this weekend. Their lone three-day uh, Velocity event of the year in Bangor, Maine. They're also going to have a one-day in Dayton, Ohio on Saturday. James, what do you think about Eduardo and Joao finding success of Velocity Tour? They're both UTB guys. It doesn't surprise me one bit that they won. Absolutely not. I'm honestly surprised we didn't see more UTB guys entered. There were some like Chase Outlaw that was slated to be at one of them, but then obviously he qualified for the, the chance at $2.1 million at the American. So he decided to stay there rather than fly there and then come back for that. But other than him and a few other guys, I'm surprised that we didn't see some of the more top names towards the top of the standings that weren't in the Global Cup trying to get there to get more points and gain ground while they had the opportunity. I think some of that comes down to how healthy a guy's feeling. This really is one of the few off weekends you had on the schedule if you aren't on a Global Cup team, if you weren't on one. So health could play a factor in that or maybe just need a mental reset. I mean, there's a lot of factors that can go into that. But yeah, I agree. It was a, a good weekend on the Velocity Tour and they got another big one coming up. So that'll be interesting to see. Let's move on to the richest one-day rodeo in the world. The American was on Sunday. Uh, it was pretty dang good. They had qualifiers or the semifinals, I guess they call them, during the week. And if you watch those, there are some really good bulls out, especially that per Friday night. Friday night, they loaded that pen at the qualifier semifinals there with a lot of really ranked bulls. They didn't get many of them rode. PBR guys that made it believed Dalton Castle Chase Outlaw, Mason Taylor, Denner Barbosa, and Kaike Pacheco, they all made the big dance on Sunday. And Kaike Pacheco walks away with the big check. He was the only qualifier, not invited contestant to win an event, and he got a check for $2.1 million. That is life-changing money, especially for a guy that comes from Brazil. James, I know you were pretty ecstatic about it. How proud are you of Kaike to win that kind of money in one day? To be honest with you, I know we typically talk about bull riding, but it doesn't really matter to me if you're a bell racer or a tie-down roper or a bareback rider or a bull rider. 
to have that opportunity for Western sports in general is just mind blowing. And Kaiki seems to be on a roll right now. Um, he did pretty well at the Global Cup for his teams, and we'll get into that in a minute. But how could you not be proud for somebody that probably came from poverty? And I don't know his story, but I've heard lots of Brazilian stories saying we came from dirt floors and all this and that. And then to come over here to America and win a world title and then five, six years later, whatever the case may be, win another $2.1 million. They don't call him the Iceman for nothing, rather he does have ice water running through his veins and just the way he handled himself and his composure uh, with that kind of money on the line was amazing. Yeah. And I think if you paid attention to how the final four shootout round was drawn, I think a lot of people would have put a lot of money on Stetson Wright walking away with that deal because he drew a bull. He was a pile of points on at the NFR back in December, chiseled of DNHs. And I, like, like I said, I, I would have put a bunch of money down on him. I didn't think he was going to buck off him, but it worked out for Kaike and he got the job done when it counted. And, and that's what matters at the end of the day. A couple other things that stood out to me. I really like Parker Bredding and I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way. I was really shocked on his first bull there that he got on in the long round. The bull fell down at like six seconds and he kind of just got off him when they really hadn't rode very many. That shocked me a little bit, and I don't know if it was just a mental error or what, but I thought Parker would have rode him out, got, seen what he got for a score, and then evaluated the situation after. What did you think about that, James? You and I are on the same page, and so was everybody in the building, I think, except for Parker Bredding. And like you said, I think it I think it's can sometimes jack with the guy's mindset when they're right in the middle of one, riding them dead easy, and then all of a sudden they just stop or fall down to the point where you can just get off of them, ride them up, finish finish the job, then get the re-ride and see see where the chips fall. But either what? way, he took his re-ride and it didn't go so well for him. But I'm glad he got a re-ride and got a, an honest opportunity at that kind of big money. One more thing I want to mention before we move on to the Global Cup was – Chase Outlaw definitely got banged up on Sunday afternoon there. That's going to be something to monitor going into this weekend because he looked awful sore walking away on Sunday. It looked like his growing was hurting him pretty pretty bad. I haven't heard exactly what it was, but something to monitor. He he might not compete this weekend. We'll see. I Like I said, I just don't know enough of the details yet. I, I don't either, but, you know, that's a bull that Outlaw should have rode in his sleep all day long, 99 times out of 100. I think it fits most guys. I think if you're in that pen and you're a guy that's competing for that kind of money, that would be the, one of the first bulls that you'd want to get on in that in that particular round. But I think his groins or whatever probably bothering him more than we knew, and it kind of happened. And one more thing I want to mention about the American as well as the Global Cup, is the size of the crowd. I don't know what the record is as far as how many people at a one-day event. Yes, this was at Cowboy Stadium, but it looked like they were pretty full. Yeah, it did look like they had a lot of people there, and that's awesome to see. I mean, that's great for the Western industry as a whole, whether you're a PBR fan, a rodeo fan, or just a fan of all of them, kind of like we are. I mean, anything that, that brings attention to the sport's a good thing. 
And the more people you have in the event, it just shows that people are here to support the Western industry. And that's awesome. And I'm glad that it went down like that. But let's move on to the Global Cup because that's kind of kind of the main event for us over the weekend. It's a really unique bull riding. It happens once a year. And because of circumstances going on, they didn't have one in 2021. This is the third year in a row America's got to host it. And the Eagles came through. They came through in a big way. I think they rode six to seven. They had a phenomenal showing. What do you think of the Eagles winning on Saturday night? Um, like we talked about in the Global Cup special that we did, you know, it really surprised me because on paper, Brazil's supposed to dominate. But on paper, every year, Brazil's supposed to dominate. And what was really special for me is that I think only one person had been on a Global Cup team previously as far as with the Eagles that actually won. Uh, I could be wrong about that. We'll have to do some fact checking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Dalen's the only one that I remember. Because if you just run down the team, Chase Doherty wasn't on one. Stetson Wright had never been on one. Dalton Castle had never been on one. And then Mason Taylor had never been on one. So yeah, Dalen was the only guy with Global Cup experience. But at the end of the day, all those guys have ridden on really big stages before. So it's not like... That's totally new. The format and the appearance of the event and having the teams and whatever, that's a little different. But at the end of the day, it's still just big time bull riding. And all those guys are on the UTB tour regularly. They're no stranger to the bright lights and the big time moments and the pressure. So that doesn't surprise me at all. No, me either. But I was still surprised with their composure because when you put your country pride on the line and probably arguably one of the biggest crowds you've ever rode in front of unless you're talking bajetos i'm sure that crowd's a lot bigger but as far as in the u.s i think this is probably the biggest crowd that they're going to ride in front of all year so it's just amazing to see a bunch of young guys come together as well as they did for their country and for themselves and to root for each other in the way that they did and it was just flat amazing to me because brazil didn't just hand it to them. So I actually watched a series leading up to the 2020 Global Cup, the PBR put put on, and it's on YouTube if you want to go back and watch it. I think it's called The Price of Glory. I didn't watch the whole thing. There's like six, at least six episodes, I think. But they interviewed, they basically made a documentary about the whole process leading up to the 2020 Global Cup. And in that, Justin McBride, I think, said it best, is he said, if us, meaning the Eagles and Brazil ride the same number of bulls, the Eagles win every time. Because when you're talking 90-point rides, point for point, the Eagles have guys that can go out there and light up the scoreboard. Not saying Brazil doesn't, but when you look at how they tend to ride bulls, it's not as flashy generally outside of Jose Vitor Leme as the Americans can be. So when you look at if they both have seven scores, I'll give the edge to the Eagles every time. Me too, although Kaiki Pacheco's put up more 90-point rides this year than he has his entire career, to my knowledge. Well, since the finals, anyway. He's getting more consistent with that, and I think the older guys are starting to realize that you're going to have to to be able to stay competitive and to beat these younger guys that have that flash and that flair that you talk about. How about the surprise for me was that Canada, was to me, was supposed to be a sleeper, and they only got – one score down, I think, maybe two, but 
Mexico ends up in the top three. And before this Global Cup had started, I'd said that they were the David versus Goliath. Well, they only got one score on the board, but it was nearly 90 points. And that happens when you have three teams that only ride one, and then unfortunately the Wolves didn't get anything rode. Alvaro Aguilar comes out. He makes a good bull ride in the bonus round. And, you know, I thought they put him on one that that suited him. When you look at the bull he got on in Outlaw of Cord McCoy's, they said it on the telecast, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm just repeating everything Justin McBride says, but he said it best. If it had worked out the way where Brazil didn't have to come from a bull behind, they would have picked that bull for Jose Vitor Leme because Jose Vitor Leme rides that one in tennis shoes. He fits him. Jose's going to style him up. They gave Alvaro a really good one to get on, and, and he capitalized on it, not, not to take away from him. He still got the job done on, on him, and that's what matters. But yeah, good for Mexico. That probably, in my opinion, without having the exact, all the history and data in front of me, that's probably their best finish. I would have to say, usually they come in towards the bottom. So good to see Mexico finding some success at a global cup. Oh, absolutely. And I knew there'd be sleepers, but I really expected it to be Canada. And boy, the whole thing was so much fun just watching and and being a part of, even on TV. I wish they would have broadcasted it live instead of making us wait a day, but that's TV deals and productions and contracts and Nobody has any control over that, so that is what that is. It's one of my favorite events of the year, and we didn't necessarily end up the way we wanted to with the rank ride uh, situation. I, I wanted I wanted that Global Cup buckle, but so did everybody else playing. Uh, next year is next year, and I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah, you know, outside of the team results, there were some big-time bull rides. We were right. They they broke the record. Dalton Castle now has the record for highest score at a Global Cup. 92 points on Moonlight Party of Gene Owens. What a bull ride. Away from his hand. He did everything right, and that one, I believe, was unridden. I would have to double-check that. If he's been ridden, it, it has not been very often. So big-time bull ride by Dalton Castle. But in a deal like this, momentum is such a huge deal. The Eagles got it rolling right away. I think they were the second team out, maybe. Second or third guy was Dalen. He steps out there, puts up 90 and a half on body count. They kicked it off hot. They started hot, and they finished hot. You know, they never weakened, and that's big when you're talking a format like that. If you get started slow, it can be hard to come back. Right, that's for sure. And, and Dalton Castle, on paper, has been on that bull at least one other time that I know of. Uh, maybe more than that, but I've never seen him actually get anywhere close to warming up Moonlight Party. There again, a huge crowd, big venue, the big lights, the country pride and all that. That that put up that huge score, and Dalen's the same way. It wasn't like we were putting, you know, 83 points on the board every time we made the whistle. But at this deal, all that really matters is you make the whistle. But when you could do it and be over 90 a couple of times, then you've got a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you have a chance to be 90 points, it's going to give you an advantage because the other teams behind you are going to have to either match you or beat you. And it's not easy to do. It's got to be the right situation and all that. The one thing I think I took away from that is Brazil's were still really good. If they do that contest 
10 times. I'm not sure Brazil doesn't win five of them. To me, the two best teams, it was clear. They, they dominated, you know, they, they got their riders matched up good. And a lot of those bulls really didn't do what they normally do. So when you're looking as a, at a coach from his perspective, he's going off of what he knows about the bull. If he thinks the bull is going to be right in the gate to the left, well, he's going to put a guy that can handle that. That's going to eat that up. Well, if he goes out there too, goes back to the right. Now you're hoping that the guy didn't set a trap for him, wasn't thinking about it too much. So I thought both Brazil and the, uh, the Eagles did a really good job of adjusting on the fly and not getting so set on this bull is going to be out there one and go to the left. I thought they rolled the bulls for what they did. And I think that's why they had such a good performance compared to the other teams. The one team I was really disappointed with and, and I feel bad for was the wolves. I really thought they were going to have a shot. And I think if you run it back 10 times, they're in that conversation a handful of times. It just didn't work out. You know, they had the matchups they wanted. They had a couple guys that took bulls really deep and they didn't get the whistle on them. Just kind of bad breaks all over the place for the Wolves, I thought. Oh, absolutely. They're a great team. I mean, I don't know how you could have put a better team Wolves together unless Ryan Dirt Eater decided to come out of retirement just for this deal. But nothing against any of the other guys that were on the team. But other than that, I don't know how you could have put a better Native American team together like the Wolves. It just didn't work out, and that's just the way bull riding is. Sometimes it's chicken, sometimes it's feathers, and more often than not, for me, it's been feathers. And you look at a team like Australia, so I'm not going to make excuses for them, but in my opinion, their most talented guy, he was supposed to get on two right off the bat in the first and second round, Kai Hamilton. He took a wreck, and I know they said it on TV as well. I've never seen both the bullfighter and the rider go flying like that. I've seen them both get hit, but for both of them basically to get launched simultaneously, I've never seen that. He got launched high up in the air. It looked like it hurt when he landed, and that definitely didn't help Team Australia as far as getting points on the board when, in my, like I said, in my opinion, their best rider got hurt on his first one. He had to have been hurting really, really bad to pass up the opportunity to win $2.1 million in 16 seconds. Uh, and you know if an Aussie sits out, he's not feeling good because those Aussies are a different breed down there. Oh, yeah, Them boys down there, they're tough. I mean, for him to sit out, like you said, at that kind of an opportunity, it wasn't something minor. He's probably going to be out for a little while, so that's too bad. But I thought Australia without getting a ton of scores on the board, they were still, they had a good showing. Those guys were gritty. You know, maybe they were in a, in a little bit over their head as far as the caliber of bulls, but none of those guys were picking their head up. They weren't opening their hand. Those guys were in there to fight. And I think if you're an uh, Australian fan, you can be proud of what your team put out there on Saturday night. You know, I'm an American fan simply because I'm an American. But if it comes right down to it, I'm a bull riding fan. You know, also, so I'm just as big a fan of Australia just because of their try and their grit and their determination than I am any other team that's ever been on a Global Cup. Yeah, it, overall, it was a really great night of bull riding, a really good week, great weekend for the Western industry and Western sports as a whole. It's one that I look forward to every year, and I'm, I'm glad it was a success for sure. But let's move into the rank ride fantasy portion of this podcast. You can find Rank Ride at their website, www.rankridefantasy.com. 
at Rank Ride Fantasy on Instagram, Rank Ride on Facebook, and Rank Ride TV on YouTube. Rank Ride had a contest for the Global Cup. It's pretty easy to play. There's three tiers. You pick two riders from each tier, one bull from each tier. There's a few bonus points for probabilities and the percentage of chance the guy rides a bull. But the name of the game is getting scores on the board for your riders and getting bull scores. And I only got one bull score on the weekend. So it's pretty hard to win when most people are going to have three bull scores and you only have one. And one of those was really out of my control. They pulled a bull late from the draw and nobody knew about it. I didn't know until I watched it on TV, I guess. And that kind of affected a couple of my picks. What were some things that stood out to you as far as rank ride went for the Global Cup? As far as rank ride went for the Global Cup, a lot of things stood out. Uh, The number one thing, how could it not stand out the bull power? I felt like we were at the PBR World Finals in the championship round every time somebody nodded their head. But speaking of that, uh, yes, that varies into rank ride, but all these bulls are pretty seasoned, but have they seen a crowd that size? I know they bucked at AT&T before, but... It's like you said earlier, like everything that typically happens, the Bulls did the exact opposite. Even though they had their, you know, great trips or whatever, Paul usually goes one direction, he went the other way, and so on and so forth. So that played a huge factor. And, of course, the riding solo deal, in my personal opinion, he should have got a score and, and whatever, and he didn't. And that was a judgment call. And... I'm not going to argue with the judges. So I don't know if the answer is because there's so many people or if it's because the arena looks different. But if you watch the PBR finals, you'll see Bulls do that there when they've been at T-Mobile as well. They'll do something completely different than they normally do or they'll just run off. And you didn't see anything really run off. I just think it's because the whole thing is different. And that's just a personal opinion of mine. When they bring them to these normal UTB events, yes, they're in different buildings, but it's basically the same every time. There's very minor and subtle differences between the setups week to week. And I think just bringing them in a a big, big building like that, and then the arena looking different probably plays a factor in it. Or it's just, you know, these guys are trying to set too much of a game plan for them and they feel it and they do something different. So there's a lot of possibilities that could have been why bulls were doing different stuff they normally do no one really knows the answer at the end of the day that's all on them and no one's ever going to know but it did make it difficult as far as things that stood out i know when i looked at the rank ride teams a good number of people picked stetson lawrence to ride whoopa and yeah on paper that looked like a really great matchup and he he was fixing to be a whole bunch of them until about five seconds and whoop uh, stepped ahead and kind of went back the other way, kind of left Stetson there. But yeah, I think there was a lot of surprises in rank ride wise. I think the recipe for success was picking as many Americans as you could and Brazilians. But you know, if you pick Dale and Swearingen in tier one, you had a pretty good chance of winning. Oh yeah. And Dana Barbosa, anybody that could rode two bulls, Kaiki Pacheco actually rode two bulls too. So if you can get a guy that rides two bulls, but the thing is it was so difficult about this event was that third round because you did not know who was going to get on in the, what I want to call the championship round, even though it wasn't necessarily due to the format. But 
you just didn't know which guys they were going to put on for sure. You just assumed that they were going to put Jose Vitor Lime on everything they could, and Australia would put Kai Hamilton and so on and so forth. And Brazil did. They did put Jose on their bonus bowl. I forgot to mention this earlier because this stood out to me. I know a lot of people picked him too, and I did under the assumption, like you said, that he was going to get the bonus bowl, which he did, even though he bucked off his first one. And I, I'm intrigued to see what they say is wrong with him because if you watch that sequence of him on homebrew, uh, he got out of there lucky compared to what could have happened. At one point, his, his arm was completely inside the back of the buck and shoot when it was opening. And had he not gotten it out, because that bull's weight hit it and slung it back, and he must have felt it coming because he got his arm out. But then it looked like as he got it out, he not only got it squished a little bit on the hinge part, just the hand, but then the bull kicked and pinned his hand, like kicked his hand onto the chute. So if you look like they were checking out his wrist, like he's probably, I would be shocked if he didn't break something without being a doctor. I would assume he's got something wrong with his wrist because he didn't get on his next one, his re-ride, and it did not look good. That was a hairy situation that probably worked out not as good as it could have, but it definitely could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, the good Lord was definitely looking out for him on that day. My question is, what's wrong and how long is he going to be out? Because now we're in March, not like we're in January. And he's fourth in the world. That's going to play a factor in things and also play a factor in our rank ride picks for the next couple of weeks if he is out. Because then I'll have to rethink my strategy. Okay, the number one go-to guy that I typically use is not there, so now who do I go to? In that situation, who would you go with? Man, I'd look at the draw. If Dalen Swearingen's going to get on bulls that go to the left, he's going to eat them all up. He's riding really good to the left right now. I'm still not 100% sold on his success rate when they go the other way, but as long as he puts himself in a position where he can draft pretty high in the short round, He's got as good a chance as anybody to go perfect on a weekend because he's going to be so strong into his hand. Another guy I really think is going to start coming on here towards the downstretch is Kyler Oliver. I think if he stays healthy, he's riding pretty good. And one thing about Kyler is he can do it both ways. I have faith that he can ride bulls going both ways. Eli Bassbinder is a really good one to look at. JRV. He doesn't look as dominant as he was in January and early February. That doesn't mean he's not going to come out of that and turn it on again, but he's cooled off significantly. And I don't, that's not me being hard on the guy. That's just the facts. Look at the results. He's definitely cooled off. Stetson Lawrence, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of guys and he kind of got dinged up too. Stetson Lawrence did. He kind of, it looked more like he just kind of got knocked silly there for a second. I hope it's nothing serious, but. He hit the ground pretty hard, so that's going to be something to monitor. There's going to be guys you're going to have to monitor their health going forward, especially this weekend in Glendale, because there was guys that got banged up over this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised at the very least if he didn't have some some form of at least a mild concussion just because of the way that they literally had to pick him up and get him out of the way. And looking at that now from a rank ride perspective, the hottest guy in bull riding right now, in my opinion, is Kaiki Pacheco. From what he did from the stockyards of the qualifiers, and then what he did at the Global Cup, Road 2, and then, yeah, he got bucked off one and got drew back and did his job 
and won $2.1 million, but you're not going to ride every bull no matter who you are. So is that a guy you feel comfortable with after that much success picking for your team? I know the draw has a lot to do with it, but take the draw out of the equation for just a second and humor me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Kaike's over the last 10 days, he's rode pretty dang good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Another guy I thought that had a pretty good week, if you watch the American semifinals and all the way through the Global Cup and everything, even though he did buck off one was Mason Taylor. Mason Taylor looks like he's starting to find the groove again. And if they keep him in tier two, he's a guy I'm probably looking at using almost every week because I think he's a borderline tier one guy that's been put in tier two lately. And if he can sustain the level of consistency he had over the last week, he's a guy I'm going to look at really hard every week for sure, no matter what he draws, because he's one of those unique guys. He's almost better away from his hand than he is into his hand. He's still good into his hand, but he look makes it look so good when he's away from his hand. He does everything so correctly. Like He's a guy I really enjoy watching ride bulls. You go back and you watch him in the finals, everything he got on, from start to finish, he dominated, except for in the championship round, which I don't know how they would have put him on Dennis the Menace, in my opinion. I would have switched it and put him on Ball. I'm not Cody Lambert. It's not my job to pick which guys did on which bulls. But Well, it's not pick. It's drawn before. I mean, there's no picking about it. It's a random draw. They just don't have names assigned to it. So all they do is say the first place guy gets this bull. I mean, it's not like they pick, go down the list and say, this guy's get the first place guy gets whoopah. Like, it's a random draw. That's the cool part about the finals. But again, like I said, talking rank right, going back to that and watching Mason Taylor and seeing flashes of that over the last oh, week and a half, that's a guy like Kaiki Pacheco that is good both directions. You don't necessarily have to worry about them being one-dimensional or one direction, whereas if you pick a JRV, if he goes to the right, you might want to pick somebody else. So like we touched on, just monitor guys' injuries because there are going to be some guys that, that are going to be probably a little shaky or questionable if they're going to ride this this upcoming weekend in Glendale. That's where the UTB tour is going. West Coast, you're not going to really know exactly what the bullpen is till the draws out, but there's always going to be good ones there. Might be some you're not overly familiar with, but they're going to buck. There are going to be a lot of good bulls out there. It's always a good event in Glendale. So that being said, we're going to have the second part of our Cord McCoy interview on today's podcast. It was just such a good time talking with Cord. He's an awesome guy. If you're into the team series, if you're pretty excited about that, you're definitely going to want to listen to this. We touch on that quite a bit in this little segment here. So it's definitely a good listen to, and we'll kick it right to cord right now. You guys put so much time, effort, and resources into making these bulls or giving them as best a chance as they can have to succeed. I think the average fan watching on TV doesn't realize that. And it makes total sense to me that it probably gets more nerve wracking to watch your bull go than to ride your riding days because so much of it's out of your control. All you can do is have that bull in as good a shape possible and healthy, and he's the rest is up to him. Is that the way it is? It's a lot more nerve-wracking to watch him than versus when you were riding? It is, and uh, you know, you feel like you, as a rider, you train and train, and then you, then you just crawl over there and do your job. And when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm thinking about you know each of these bulls and 
what they need, how they're, how they're feeling. And then it, as soon as they buck, you're scratching your head of like, you know, what to do next, you know, where does he go next? You know, how do, how do I make changes to, you know, to get that little quarter point better than, than what he's performing today. So yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a lot more pressure being a stock contractor, but it sure doesn't hurt near as bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see where that, that's the case. Yeah. So kind of talking more about some of your bulls, one of the bulls that probably everybody that watches PBR knows of is 612 riding solo. And he's currently tied with Whoopa as the world or the lead in the world title bull race. Yep. And we were talking off air. These two have dueled previously. This is not a this is not a new thing. When was the first time these two really battled? Was it their two year old year? I think I think uh, they had to run into each other their two year old year. But you know, Whoopa was a I think he had a better yearling year. And then of course, riding solo won the world title the two year old year. You know, Whoopal kind of, I would say, more developed as a three-year-old. Solo went to the PBR World Finals as a three-year-old. But as far as the public actually introducing those two bulls together would have been, um, you know, maybe the the, the fall of uh, their four-year-old year, the classic finals, when they kind of dueled it out. When we, you know, that's when we run to South Dakota the weekend before and then turn around and run back. You know, and the, the funny thing is uh, Laramie Wilson, the guy that pulls the trigger on Whoopal, you know, there were several weekends that it, even the fraternity year or classic year that we, we'd have to go somewhere else and so would have to be there. Me, Sarah, Laramie, or Katie is the only four people that I know of that's, you know, ever, ever pulled the trigger on, on Solo. There was a few times that uh, if, if Solo beat Whoopa, it was going to be because of, because of Laramie, you know, he would, he would haul into a couple of events. So that, I always thought that was, that was pretty cool. That's the kind of sport that we're in. Yeah, that that is really cool, and that's something I didn't know about, and I'm guessing most people don't know about. And Laramie's a really great guy. He's really, really great to be around. So bull riding, rodeo, the culture is kind of stick together. Everybody's kind of one little tight-knit group, and you don't get that a lot in a lot of other sports as far as your competition. That's your direct competition. He was willing to help you out, to help you give a chance to succeed when it probably would have benefited him for you not to be there. So that really speaks... That really speaks to Laramie, who he is as a person, and just the rodeo and Western sports community as a whole, for sure. So there are pictures and videos on the internet of you putting a halter on riding solo, just standing in the pen next to him. Has he always been that gentle, or was that something that came with age? I think I think most of it, the trust and the relationship between me and him might have might have came more with with age. You know, I think you you just continually to. I don't know, just uh, just a pride, not not give up, not give up. You know, then Solo's finally like, okay, you you're not gonna leave me alone until you, you know, I stop and you take this halter off. You know, there's been some other other wild days out there. You know, now I think I think if you if you go slow, I I I, I trust Solo. I think we were at um, maybe Chicago, maybe it was New York. That some somehow Solo had rubbed the halter off before the bull riding started, and I seen it. And I found the halter and I literally crawled over the like three other bullpens, crawled into an eight by eight with him and put the halter on and, and tied it up. Because usually, you know, I'll, I'll put him in the chute to hold him still and, and yeah. tie it on. There. And then I can just walk up and, and untie it. But, you know, he let me walk up and, and put the halter on him just like a like a horse. Yeah, I, I think he's still a little bit like a pit bull, maybe like he might be your best friend. But, you know, when you're sticking your, you know, your your arm or your chin over his head that this this could be my last thought i could you know he could knock every tooth out in my in my head if he wants but uh you know you always kind of know that but uh, I, I feel like he's my buddy I, I spend about every day with him anyways 
Yeah. And I think it speaks to all of you guys as stock contractors. The animal athletes have to trust you. If they don't trust you, they're not going to give you their best. And that comes from the care that you guys give them. And all of you guys do such a great job with that. These bulls are really treated like the human athletes. And sometimes they probably get treated even better than some of them. So it really speaks to what you guys do and the work and the effort that goes on at home when the cameras aren't around and it shows on a weekend. So really great job on your end and all contractors out there. So speaking of kind of some of the growth that bull riding is going through right now, Bonner Bolden has brought to the table a platform for fantasy bull riding. And as a former sports guy, fantasy sports are very popular amongst MLB, NFL fans. What do you know about Rank Ride and what do you think it can add to the experience for a fan? Oh, I, I definitely think it could add to the experience. I mean, you you take anything any, anything going on, in it, but if if you put a little skin in the game, if you 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 invest in it, or or you say I I'm I'm making a commitment that this one is better than that one, or this is what it's going to be, I think it always makes it a little bit more entertaining. Maybe that's it. You got a, a better reason to follow, a better better reason to to root something on, or to root against something else. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a pretty cool addition to, to to bull riding. You know, we're we're always looking at different different stats, different breeding programs, different training uh, stuff for for all the the riders. It's, it's cool that I feel like the fans now can look at the same information, can study the same thing, and make that same in- investment uh, on on the other end. I'm, I'm rooting on. I think it's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, it's it's definitely really fun to play. And like you said, when you're watching a bull riding and you have skin that I need Jose Vitor Leme to go out there and get it done, there's an added sense of pressure there. No doubt about it. It makes it a lot more entertaining to watch for sure. And also kind of going off with that theme of growth, the PBR announced their team league and you got named the coach of the Oklahoma Freedom. What did that mean to you to be a part of the team series, number one, but then be named a head coach? What does that mean to you personally? Uh, originally when they announced it in New York, it, it, was, it was such a, a huge, huge honor. I mean, just to, to be one of those eight guys, the you know original team coaches. But, uh, you know, you go back to the hotel room that night, you don't sleep at all. You're thinking of different strategies of like what to do, how to do it, you know, how to make the the, the best group of guys that you can. So it is it is a a little bit of added stress. I mean, I hate to I hate to put it straight that way, but uh, you got to you got to go win. I mean, I think that's any any coach that's out there. Uh, you know, figuring out your strategy, you know, how, how you're going to go about it, uh, you know, what group of guys you're going to draft, you know, how you're going to coach them, what your style is going to be, you know, so then you even go back to, you know, what, what, what do I wish I would have known, wish I would have studied, wish I would have had as, as I was going through, you know, steps one, two, three, four, uh, you know, I want to give it to those guys. And then you, you watch bull riding a little different. Maybe I need three lefties, three righties. And, you know, now I, I, I stand behind the shoots and I, I watch every every guy a little bit different. You know, for, for a while, I feel like I just watched the bulls. But now you you, you want to see their tendencies. And, and not that you're picking away those, picking apart those guys riding. I mean, these are the top 35 bull riders in the world. Uh, so, you know, there's you know, only so much coaching you do. You talk about baseball, you know, by the time they get to college or majors, you know, they've kind of already picked their style and this is how, this is how they got there. There's only so much you can change, but you also, you know, look at little tidbit things that you're like, Hey man, you just, this is, it's a, you know, a little, little thing here. You ever, you ever thought about that? So, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of look at the bull riding a little bit different knowing that you're a head coach now. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I'm glad you touched on that because I was going to ask that how much different it is for you 
going from being just a stock contractor to now a coach where you're having to pay attention to, to everybody. So I'm glad you touched on that. In your opinion, what does the team series do for current and future generations of bull riders? Because this is such a, a new thing and such a groundbreaking thing, what do you think this does as far as benefiting the current and future generations to come of bull riders? Well, um, I, I guess I'm just with everybody else on that. You just hope and pray that it's a, it's a huge positive thing, you know, for, for bull riding, you know, Lord willing, I'll, I'll have a boy someday and, and maybe he'll want to ride bulls. And I already have a bunch of nephews that, you know, probably going to be involved anyways. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've, you've heard it before of just leaving the, the better footprint behind us than, uh, we showed up with. And, uh, man, I, I think I just, I came at the right time in life. It feels like, you know, from the start, it's everything has continued to get better and more opportunity the whole time. And I think this is just another, another step and an opportunity for the, the young guys there. There's, there's opportunity there, but you got to have the appreciation and, and go get it yourself too. That's something that, you know, each of those guys got to work out themselves. But, uh, I think there's big opportunity, you know, when we, we start, uh, you know, drafting those guys every year that coaches and managers, you know, even the players are going to start looking forward to turning 18 years old and, and hope for that draft, you know, just like in other sports that, uh, you know, that we have this big banquet and, you know, little cowboys sitting around round tables and, and going up to make the announcement, Oklahoma freedom has first round draft pick and we pick Joe Blow. I mean, it could, they could put, put your, put your name in there and that guy could, you know, sign a five-year multi-million dollar contract. I mean, we, we could be that, you know, not that we're not a major league sport, but we could pay our guys like they are as well. Right. And that's truly life-changing money. And I think that's where I see the end goal for this team series is they want to give a whole nother level of money to these guys is how I see it. Um, I think it's great for the sport just as a whole growth wise, you know, as well as I do, you run into people all the time that don't know very much about bull riding or rodeo and the season structure of what they were doing, where it's an individual season. It's basically all year round. Like I've talked to people, they couldn't grasp that because NFL, MLB, they all have a season. It's a set season. They know when it's going to take place. And I think adding that to bull riding will help simplify it to new fans that want to, that want to start watching it. And it'll make it easier for them to follow along with. So I, I play a lot of fantasy sports. So I've done numerous snake drafts in my life. And that's the kind of draft you're going to have coming up here. You're going to have the eighth and ninth pick or eighth, eighth and ninth picks. Have you already been kind of formulating a game plan as far as who you think might be there and who you're kind of targeting with those picks? Yes. I mean, like I have a, uh, a full running roster or list of Cowboys on, uh, you know, on my phone. I feel like anytime I get a break or I get done with the bull riding, I might, you know, make little, little notes in there. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're scouting them all. I think, you know, those, those top 10 guys in the PBR, I think top 10 guys in the world, I think a lot of people will, will see them face value. And I, I think when you start getting the that second round is when there's going to be a lot of difference of opinions. And I like this guy better than that guy. You know, I, uh, I like his I like his training mentality and, you know, I, I like where this guy's going in life. You know, wh whatever. I think there might be difference of, of opinions. But, uh, you know, we're, we're all picking from the same group of guys or, or, or drafting from them. You know, I think there's just going to be difference of, of opinions on some of those on uh, who who you thinks better than others, and then you, you want to make your team. I mean, if your if your strategy is is X Y Z, and you, you're looking for a 
a team captain and, you know, and uh, a leader, you want to want some youth, whatever that you want to add to it. You know, I think well, each team going to kind of be looking for different things, you know, each, each, each draft pick. I think the one thing I'm most excited about with this draft is to see those later round picks and to see how many guys that the general public haven't heard of yet or that aren't mainstream, because I would guess that there's going to be multiple guys that are going to get a shot at this that maybe aren't like TV mainstream type guys that are going to make an impact on who ends up winning the title at the end of the season. The draft picks just in the last six months has changed a bunch, you know, from from the, 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 the world finals to uh, right now. And then even it's going so fast, you think that there's guys that you, you feel like you knew about that nobody else did, you know, that you could be your hidden draft picks. And now they're already, you know, stars in the PBR just over the last, you know, month. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at a guy like Bob Mitchell, he's taking the PBR world by storm. And I'll tell you right now, I think he's a real deal. I think that yeah. guy's going to be around for a long time. And I think he's going to be a superstar in two, three years. If he's oh, yeah. already not. I, I, that's, that's me. Like I, I, I met him, uh, you know, just, just to kind of get that first impression, the feel, been around him, watch his videos, go back, watch videos again, you know, into his hand, weight of his hand, determination. I mean, that, he's got, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of stuff going for him. And I think just a little bit of size too, you know, if you get a group of five bulls and you get a, a powerhouse in there, uh, you know, it's good to have a guy like that on your team that can, can ride both directions and, you know, can, can ride that eliminator. I, I, I do like Bob. So this will be the last question before we wrap this up, Court. I know you got a lot going on today with Hall and Bulls in, so so we'll let you go here shortly. But how much do you think your previous team experience is going to help you as a coach in this new team format? Well, I think if you've if you've played team sports, you know, and maybe one, you know the the experience that kind of comes with it. You kind of got to get a little excited about it as well. You know, being that being that leader is a little bit more pressure, but. If these guys can come together and root each other on, I, d- I definitely think that riding percentages are going to going to go up. There's going to be guys that are you know might be hit and miss, you know that that find that consistency that that do better. Uh, there's going to be guys that never you never heard their name, just like you had said. That might be seventh round draft pick, but by the time we get to November, they might be you know they, they'll be they'll be superstars. Uh, you know, taking Jose's money. I mean, like, it, there's there's going to be some some cool experiences and some cool changes. You know, come along with getting together, making a team, and 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 fighting for the same goal. And that's I think that's in, that's in any team sport. Yeah, I just think it's such a special experience when you get to experience the bond you have with your teammates. That I'm really excited that bull riding is going to make that a permanent. Well, it sounds like a permanent thing. I just think yeah. it it adds such a unique spin on the sport and i'm really excited to see how it all plays out thanks for joining us today cord it means a bunch we appreciate it a whole bunch do you want to let everybody know where they can find you on social media in case they want to check in on what you're doing or how your bulls are doing i don't think anybody's hard to find anymore you go to uh cord mccoy on facebook or instagram i had a twitter somebody somebody took my account i was like ah y'all can have it uh some mccoy ranch on facebook and instagram as well and we started up a mccoy rodeo facebook and instagram too so all right well thanks thanks cord safe travels into the building today and best of luck with your bulls i appreciate it a bunch no deal man have a great day tell everybody sit out and once again big shout out to cord for coming on and joining us it was a pleasure getting to talk with cord i know it was it was such a good time for me and i know james you had a little bit of issues during the whole process but you were in there sitting in on most of it and i think you enjoyed it too not Oh, I absolutely loved it. 
somebody like Gordon Coy was sort of going back to when I used to uh, do interviews like live when I used to go to bull ridings and do interviews. Yes, we asked questions, but Cord was kind of sensing what direction we were going and kind of guiding it for us. So that was a kind of unique twist and something that I wasn't necessarily used to. But he's so used to being interviewed and doing television and all those things. How could you not just sit back and smile and just enjoy it? Heck yeah, man. He made it super easy. It was a good time. And I'm looking forward to hopefully having him on again one day in the future guests. We're going to try to keep doing that as often as we can to give you guys a different perspective and, and keep it fresh on the show. So I think that'll be it though, James. Do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Keep monitoring your guys and keep playing rank ride because it's it's going to be fun. We're coming down to the end here within like two months. If y'all didn't learn anything from me during any of these podcasts, learn this, that every day is a gift from God and what you do with it. Quite simply and honestly, that's your gift back to him. God bless. Coop, floor is yours, buddy. Heck yeah, man. Back at you, James. It's always a pleasure getting to do this with you. And yeah, like James said, just keep monitoring injuries. Do as best you can to to look it up. And you can find that on the PBR website. If you go under the athletes page or tab up at the top, they have an injury report on there. And they give you as good of information as they can before these guys show up. Because some of them aren't going to know until they show up. It depends on what the injury is. So just keep as good an eye on that as you can. And thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate all the listeners. You guys are awesome. And give us feedback. You know, Let us know what you think we're doing all right and what we need to work on. We want to make this as good as we can for you guys. And don't, don't be afraid to hit us up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Leave comments in Apple Podcasts, just anything. You know, we, We'll take it all good, bad, or ugly. It don't matter. You can find more on RankRide at www.rankridefantasy.com at Rank Ride Fantasy on Instagram, Rank Ride on Facebook, and Rank Ride TV on YouTube. You can find more about us on our Facebook, From the Backpins. Our Instagram is at From the Backpins. We have a YouTube channel now that's also From the Backpins. And then my email is Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, from the backpens at gmail.com. Like I said, thanks for the support, guys. It's been great. We have fun doing this and we want to make this as good as it can for you guys. But I think that'll be it. So till next time, guys, everybody stay safe. Have a great week and come back and visit us again from the back pins. Yeah.